We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Knicks fans, and welcome to another edition of the KFS pregame show, a very special live edition here on the KFS YouTube channel. I'm your host, GMAC, a.k.a. Andrew Claudio, um, and I'm here to help once again preview this upcoming matchup here in the first round for the New York Knicks against the Cavaliers of Cleveland. And joining me, uh, a very special guest who's been so kind Throughout the last couple of weeks. In fact, throughout this season, this is the third time. I just know now the fourth time that we are collaborating, Justin, uh, of the Chase Down podcast, who had myself and Mr. John Macrion last night over on his side of enemy lines. And now he's coming over here. Uh, Justin Rowan, uh, thank you for joining me, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm getting a little more nervous as this series comes up. Uh, like it's just it's becoming more and more real. We know that the game one is just around the corner. I I, I could not be more excited uh, to, to see how this all shakes out. So let's start here with some questions before we get to the chat. And I want to emphasize in the chat, I told Justin ahead of time, he's agreed. Open book. Whatever questions you have about the Cavs, about this series, if you want to throw some hot takes, I already see a Nixon five in the chat. So like whatever you got for him, send it and we'll we'll get it all going. Um, but let's let me get. My, some of my questions first, where, what, what balance would it be? Excitement, nervousness for you? I'd say like 70, 30, uh, okay. excitement to nervousness. Um, you, you know, uh, like I had jitters even going back in, into the LeBron years, right. When it's like Cavs versus Pacers or, or like the series that you feel like it should be a wash. You just, you're always nervous for playoff basketball because you, you just understand that, one like wrong step uh, can lead to ankle injuries. Uh, there's uh, weird bounces that can happen. These, especially in today's NBA, so much of it comes down to shooting variants. Like it, it's 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 a nerve wracking thing going into a small seven game sample size. But it's it's excitement, man. Like this is the the first time in, in my time being a Cavs fan that we're going into a playoff series without LeBron James. Like that's really, really exciting. I was mm. a big believer in this core. I was uh, one of the advantages of being a homer is sometimes you are early on spotting little trends. I, I feel like I was very early on the whole Darius Garland thing. And it, it's just been a really fun ride. So uh, it's more excitement than nervousness. Some of that might even be because I'm traveling there to, to check out the first couple games. And I just mm. always, I always get flight anxiety. I get trip anxiety. So that's probably mixed into it. Uh, but definitely more excitement than nervousness. How would you classify, or I guess, characterize the fan base? Because, look, I, I we talked about this way back when, uh, when you first were here. And I, I found common ground as a Mets fan, as a Jets fan, as a, a downtrodden sports fan with the Cleveland sports fan that, you know, has some some. Like the, the the ESPN documentary that was the game or yeah. the the catch or the drive or, or the decision, obviously. And like I recognize like traumatized sports fans when I see them. And I don't know, like if I were in the Cavs spot, like I'd have excitement for what this season has been. But is there any nervousness? Like we can't lose to the Knicks, or is there like a respect like of how good the Knicks have been this year? What's the, the tenor of the fan base at the moment? 
I think it's been more respectful than anything. I, I made this joke uh, on our collab uh, yesterday on the chase down, but like player avatar Twitter is going to be disrespectful back mm-hmm. and forth. Uh, but for the most part, like, you don't really see it even in like most of the media coverage like ESPN. Yeah, a lot of the picks were kind of leaning calves, but nobody thought it was going less than six or seven games, which basically means a toss up. I, I think there's a lot of respect for what the Knicks have built. Uh, this is a really good team. It's a deep team. It's well coached. Um, I, I, I think there there's a healthy amount of respect, but I would say there's like a cautious confidence uh, among Cavs fans. I, I think they feel good about what this team has been. Uh, they they feel good about how healthy th- th- this team is at this point. Um, Isaac Okoro uh, took part in practice today. Uh, n- no real precautions there. It sounds like he's going to play for game one. And you compare that to, to even last year in the play-in. I mean, you played a very close game against the Brooklyn Nets where, uh, w- without Jared Allen. And then you played against the Atlanta Hawks with Jared Allen, but playing with only one hand. Um, this, this feels a lot better than, than both of those. And it, it certainly feels good to not be in that play in scenario where you just weird things can happen. And we saw that throughout the, the play in already this year. That was what I was going to I I missed getting a chance to say it last night where the back and forth is going to be a thing and the chess match is going to be hopefully fun for both teams, but also nerve wracking as we get hopefully a long series. But my God, thank God we're, this isn't a one game sample and we're not, Whew. you know, every every other member of my family is a Toronto Raptors fan. Oh. And uh yeah, they're they're going through some pain right now. That's I for can sure. imagine. Yeah. And look like. So that's actually a question I don't think I've asked you the yet so far. Like, what were your expectations going into the season? Did you see that like a certainty of the playoffs or or the fact that they weren't in the play in? Was that a surprise to you? Yeah. So I my prediction, I believe, was 52 wins. So they, mm. they ended up just pretty much where, where I had them. Um I, I do. I'm impressed that they got as many wins as they did, uh, given the player games missed. Like you you look at uh, player games missed and, and the Cavs, I believe, are top four. Uh, Knicks uh, have had about 200 fewer player games missed. Yeah, this they don't year. miss games. Yes. Than the Cavs. Yeah, <laughs> you, you guys are built different over there. So I, I've been impressed with how they've navigated things. But the expectation really was avoid the plan. Like if you can get one through six. And, and I, I think most of us were kind of hoping more in that four to six range, keeping things realistic. That was going to be considered a successful season. But uh, the Cavs have just been so good this year that I, I think it has kind of warranted higher expectations. And um, even though the Brooklyn Nets fell off as a like viable uh, playoff team and some of that you should be worried about in a playoff series that lined up with the Knicks ascension, right? Like the Knicks really kind of took that mantle as, hey, we're a really damn good team. Like mm-hmm. we, we we've now got our shit together. The the win that they had over the Cavs uh, in in December seemed to kind of spark the turnaround for them. As you've mentioned, uh, playing Emmanuel quickly more and more has helped turn around their season. The Knicks are here, man. Like th- this is a really good team. And from my perspective, I think that's a good thing because I think this Cavs team needs to be tested. I think the Knicks are capable of giving them that test. Well, we'll see if uh, that test is good enough to potentially be an upset. But obviously, we'll let the the players decide and us just break it down and analyze. Um, we've got a bunch of questions. I I'm thank you to Nick's faithful over uh, uh for sending all your questions in for Justin. Let's get into them. Let's start it off with David, who asks, "Who is Cleveland's most feared Nick?" Ooh, that's a great question. Right now, it. <laughs> My answer might actually be Mitchell Robinson. Um, really? Okay. Because I think the the possession battle is going to be so important. And I guess you could kind of combine Mitchell Robinson and Hardenstein just because they are both such exceptional offensive rebounders. Um, the Cavs, that game against the Knicks where, where Randall went off, that was basically the end of Kevin Love's tenure with the Cavs. Mm. Um, like he was a minus 20 in that game. I think the starters were plus 16 and they lost by two. Um, <laughs> like the, he was kind of targeted in that game, but the absence of Kevin Love really took away that third big that they could play with Mobley and with Allen when they're staggering those two, right? Because you want to have one on the court at all times to have at least one elite defensive player out there. But it took away some of the defensive rebounding. And the Cavs were one of the strongest defensive rebounding teams prior to that time. 
And since the All-Star break, they are dead last in defensive rebound percentage. So mm. uh, especially with Dean Wade, you know, going through some of the issues that he's had, um, it's th- the ability to end possessions on a missed shot is probably my biggest concern going into this series. And obviously, Jalen Brunson can go off. We know that. But star players are going to go off in playoff series. Like that's kind of just like an assumed part of this. So right now. I would say offensive rebounds is my biggest concern. And I think Mitchell Robinson is the personification of that. And just to contrast what you were saying about the, um, that the Cavs being dead last in defensive rebound percentage as uh, on the contrary, the Knicks are first in defensive rebound percentage. So this is, this is their forte winning the possession battle. They're not, I mean, shout out to XJ who's watching live. Um, he's been on this all year that his worry about the Knicks offense is that it's not super efficient. They've been able to have a top four offense without a ton of assists, being great at three point shooting, a high effective field goal percentage. But because they're just going to get so many chances at the rim on a single position, on a single possession, they're somewhat uh, uh, working the numbers, but it's also been effective. It's pretty much like you said, the Nick Nurse strategy, but it's what Memphis did yeah. last year to a 56 win uh, pace. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I, I'm going to tell you that that's probably one of the more surprising answers that people are, or at least Knicks fans are going to give. I, I like to throw a little the, curveball, you know? We, I appreciate we, it. Yeah. We, we got to, uh, uh, it's too easy to say Jalen Brunson. He's awesome. But right. like at the end of the day, like it, these series, usually the stars do their part and it's about everybody else and, and how they contribute. Rob asks, Knicks with IQ have a better net. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Knicks with IQ have a better net rating than the Cavs with Mobley, and advanced stats have IQ as the more impactful, valuable player. What has you so sure that Mobley is in a different tier right now, Justin? I, I mean, there is an advantage to, you know, playing heavy minutes, uh, being out there all the time, <laughs> not playing those six man role. Um, a, a lot of the Mobley stats that you'll see are very heavily skewed because of three-point percentage this year. And, and Mobley is the lead leaguer, uh, lead lead leader uh, in contesting three-point shots per game. And when you go to kind of some of those advanced stats that are luck-adjusted, that changes pretty dramatically. And um, I, I think Evan Mobley also has taken another step, like Emmanuel quickly, um, from January on. Actually, since the Kendrick Perkins, where the hell is Evan Mobley rant? I believe he's uh. averaging 19 points per game while being a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, so as much as I do love and respect Emmanuel quickly, I think he should win six man of the year. Uh, I think he's very clearly the Knicks third best player. I, th- I think Mobley, he's got, I- I'm giving him a little bit of a nod. And, and for the same reason, I, I have Mobley over Jaron Jackson Jr. Minutes matter. Playing the games matter. Per 36 is great. But, you know, going out there, playing against starters at all times, uh, taking these toughest assignments, and, and just the fact that, like, center defense and, and big man defense, it matters more than guard defense. It, that, like that's just the reality of the game. Like that's one of the biggest flaws with impact stats and, and these catch all metrics is they act like every single player offense and defense is 50, 50 of the game Where with guards. I'd say it's like 70, 30 offense to defense with big men. It's probably like 40, 60 or even more skewed towards the defensive end. So mobily being that defensive player of the year type uh, talent uh, along with the 19 points per game and his ability uh, to, to be an offensive hub at times, I, I think gives him the nod. Two things before we get to our next question. First of all, the the funny part about Quickly's ascension this year, him starting a bunch of games down the stretch here over the last couple of months where Jalen Brunson's missed like a game here or there. Um, and showing out at, like like he has this game at, at Boston Garden in double OT where he played 53 minutes at 38 points and at that night became the favorite for sixth man of the year. And then has had a bunch of other starts where he's looked like a high impact um, two guard uh, against starters uh, that might cost him sixth man of the year because now <laughs> there are voters that are like, well, you started too much. It's like, yeah, because he was the next man up. He's their best available bench player. Boston didn't think highly enough of Malcolm Brogdon to start him when Rob Williams and Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown missed all this time. They went with Derek White instead. Greg Anthony. Okay, I'm over it. Second no, thing. No, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strengthen your, your point just a oh, little okay, bit here because here's the thing. Tyler Hero won six man of the year 
despite leading the Heat in minutes. Yeah. You cannot make that damn argument that Emmanuel quickly, because he started a couple games down the stretch, uh, doesn't deserve it. I I, I, I don't see that. It, I agree. It's ridiculous. Well, believe me. me, I agree. I just, I'm, I'm really hoping the voters end up agreeing too. Um, and then the second thing, look, as far as Mobley to uh, IQ and their impact is concerned, I just wanted to make the point that it's not quickly against Allen when Carter was saying that it's very oh, yeah. much like who's the third best player in the series. And I, I think it's who's the fifth best player in the series. And it's like quickly or Mobley. I probably would lean Mobley, which is what I said last night. However, I think there will be a game that Emmanuel quickly is like, oh, wow, like the Knicks won this game because of Emmanuel quickly. So that's my hope in this that, series. Yeah. Uh, next up, Sam Garcia as an outsider who perceives the Cavs bench to be weak. Could that be a reason as to why they lose this series? Yes and no. Um, he, here's the thing about that. In the playoffs, the rotations do shrink. And this is a series where there's like two days off between each of these games, which is going to make it easier for both J.B. Bickerstaff and Tom Thibodeau, who both like playing their starters heavy minutes to play their guys 40 plus minutes. And um, while the Cavs bench doesn't have a lot of depth, Dean Wade has been getting healthier. Um, I, I expect him to get a pretty consistent run. And Karis LeVert has been great for them. He's He's been really, really good since the All-Star break, uh, since all those trade rumors have kind of gone out the window. He, he has confidence in his role and he's been good. So the Cavs have seven guys right now that I feel pretty good about. Ricky Rubio, we'll, we'll see how long of a leash he has. I, I personally would probably stick with Levert. And the wild card for the Cavs is Danny Green, who they were hoping to get some run down the stretch. He missed time due to COVID, but these last couple games gone out there, shot the hell out of the ball. He still looks like he, he's got weights in his shoes, so uh, I, I would have concerns about him on the defensive end. But given what the Cavs have in terms of high-end talent, you're going to be give, leaving someone open. And if they're able to get some uh, blood from that stone when it comes to Danny Green, I, I think that would be a huge win. But I feel pretty confident about the Cavs' top seven, assuming Karis LeVert and, and Dean Wade are that six and seven. I want to... I wanna follow up on that because of the Danny Green variable that I guess is poten it's potential to be important in this series. First of all, is that a is that a thing that the Cavs are going to potentially go with that Danny Green's going to play some meaningful bench minutes in this series? It's possible. I, I don't know if I would define meaningful. I would actually expect Jetty Osman to get that run in the first two games just because he's got more of a track record. He, he's uh, not coming off a serious knee injury, and he is someone that can give them volume shooting and, and movement shooting, which I, I think is really important and something that when they get it, it opens things up for them dramatically. Uh, JB did kind of allude to, hey, we, we did bring in Danny Green for a reason. I, I can see him getting some run in the, the postseason. That could be a bit of a wild card for the Cavs. And um, like he, just because he can't move the greatest out there, he still has quick hands. Like uh, one of the games, I think he had three steals and a block, right? Like the, the Danny Green instincts are still there. He just isn't able to get up and down the court as quickly as he has in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised to, to see him get some run out there, especially if the Knicks are kind of cheating off of guys. Like, let's say oh, Isaac Okoro is really struggling and the Cavs just need spacing to go with Garland, Mitchell, Mobley and Allen. If you're parking Danny Green in the corner, that's something that New York at, will at least have to think twice about. So just to get an idea of the Cavs rotation for the uneducated Knicks fan, or I guess as Sam puts it as an outsider, right? Um, so you got the core four, you got a Coro. You, sorry, Yankee fans. Um, you got Karis, <laughs> you got Karis Levert. Then it sounds like Chetty Osman and Danny Green are the next two up. I, I would say Dean Wade uh, and Dean, Dean Wade. Wade. Okay, Dean Wade after Karis Levert. And uh, I was going to actually we're, we're doing a, a podcast tonight uh, with the Darker Spot guys, and one of the mm. conclusions that I I've come to is Dean Wade has to play. Like Dean Wade absolutely has to be the third big for the Cavs because um, he was dealing with some soreness. Uh, you know, the joys of playing the Toronto Raptors. Uh, he, <laughs> uh, you always seem to leave with at least one player injured from it. Um, and I, I know he was icing his shoulder after that and missed 32 games. And um, I, I think the, the collarbone was separated. I believe Chris Fedor had reported and was dealing with some soreness, but he's starting to look more like himself out there. And the Cavs with Mobley on the court and no Jared Allen, they're 20th 
in percentile for offensive rebounds given mm-hmm. up. Like the teams rebound the hell out of those lineups. And I dug just a little bit further. And when you have Mobley out there with no Allen, but Dean Wade is out there, they're in the 81st percentile. Much better. Mm. They're not bleeding rebounds. And I, I think a lot of those kind of post all-star break stats are because of the fact that Lamar Stevens has kind of been playing small ball power forward. When the Cavs are out there with Evan Mobley, Lamar Stevens, no Allen or no Wade, they are in the fourth percentile. Oh, geez. Wow. In terms of giving up offensive rebounds, they give up offensive rebounds about 32% of the time. Like that is brutal. And that just can't happen. That can't happen against this next team. And I think that if Dean Wade is playing out there as the third big, that's going to help alleviate a lot of things. And even if his shot is a little bit shaky, that's no different than Lamar Stevens, right? Lamar is not a confident three point shooter. I just think having him out there as someone that can defend three through five, that that is a good rim protector that can rotate over and help secure those defensive rebounds. I think Dean Wade absolutely has to be in the rotation. So then I have to ask one more question before we get to our next question from the chat. Do you foresee them starting off with Wade in the rotation or is this a move that they make? Like say that it's one, one going back to the garden and the Knicks are clearly winning the, the possession battle. And because of that, they're going to make a switch in, in some type of way and put Wade in. Is it basically, is this a pivot or an adjustment that you can see them making? Or is this how we're going to see the series start out? I, I think he's going to start heavily in the rotation. I think he's probably going to be about seventh in minutes. I, I would guess uh, Ricky Rubio might be among the first off the bench. Like I think he and Karis might be the first off the bench, but that would be where I'd expect an adjustment. Like either Ricky doesn't play the second half or just leaves the rotation entirely. I think Dean Wade will, will be seventh in minutes and, and Jetty Osman uh, will probably be about eight. Uh, t- that would be my guess. I tell you, this is where the Knicks fan confidence does come from that when you come to the Knicks bench, like two of their five best players are potentially on the bench with Josh Hart and with Emmanuel quickly. So they're, they're hoping like, yes, I would, I would agree that probably the Cavs have three of the the best five, four of the mm-hmm. best seven, but then like the Knicks have seven of the best 12, if you want to call that's it true. that. So yeah. that's where I but, think but the, the, the you guys are also cheating. From. You're cheating with that though, because Emmanuel quickly is your third best player and RJ Barrett's like, well, you're eighth. That's so, why you know, I said seven. That's why I said seven. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect. I'm hoping we get a good series from RJ. Those are just the facts at this point. Yeah. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Game Time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app, and I see all the events coming up in the area. Whether it be the Knicks' first home playoff game against Cleveland, or maybe the Rangers' first home playoff game against the Devils, the Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category, like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams, like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to right and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Game Time is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, and for a good reason. As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Lunas Emirat, thank you for a Super Chat contribution. Always appreciate you, Lunas, for chiming in. From Cavs fans' perspective, is Grimes continuing to be as hot as he's been from three on high volume, or RJ getting getting back into good form a bigger concern to you? So what's more of a concern? Grimes continuing to be great. RJ returning to what we've seen at at spots throughout the season and more importantly, what we've seen before this season. Yeah, I I think Grimes is the bigger concern. Um, I I think even though the Cavs do do a good job, they they give up the fewest three-pointers per game. They do give up a lot of corner three-point shots. And we've seen like if they're um, like even in that game where Randall went off, right? Like just late contest when you're showing and recovering and trying to blow things up. That would be my concern, especially because the Cavs are playing two guys that are, you know, six two, six three in in their backcourt. I, I think Grimes with that beautiful, beautiful shooting form, that high release point, I, I can see him going off and changing things for the Cavs defensively. So Grimes would be my biggest concern. Are also just because he's a two way player, he's a phenomenal two way player. Big big fan uh, of Quinn and Grimes. RJ doesn't concern me as much because him getting into form at the end of the season. And I, I say this as someone that had massive hopes for RJ Barrett, uh, rooted for him all throughout high school, throughout college. Oh, um, oh Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh Canada, man. R- R- Justin Rowan supports Rowan Barrett Jr. Um, like <laughs> it, you go. The thing with his end of season play is I think he gets better when he has more touches, when he has the ball in his hands a lot. And I just don't think if the Knicks are at their best, if they're healthy, if Jalen Brunson's rolling, if Julius Randle's out there and, and playing well, I don't think RJ is going to get as many touches to get comfortable. And I, I, that's one of the biggest things in the NBA, right? Like I think so many guys that aren't getting the opportunity now would look better if they had higher usage, right? If they're able to get comfortable, if they're able to get in the rhythm, but are you talented enough to justify that number of possessions on a winning team? All of other guys that, that deserve touches and deserve the ball. Are you able to scale down that production w- within smaller usage? And I just don't think RJ is at that point right now. Although if Randall is missing time, I can see RJ stepping up. And uh, as much as we've joked about him, like I, I think he is going to play better the more you ask of him. I'll tell you this much. If Randall is missing time, which I guess we should we've gotten 25 minutes into this. We haven't given the Julius Randall update. He is not cleared for contact yet two days before tip off. So 
my guess is he's not playing game one. Tibbs did give the Tibbs speak of if he's good to go, he'll go, which, okay. I, I assumed that anyway, but I also yeah. <laughs> would like to hear that he's, you know, playing in contact before game one of a playoff series. My honest, this is my, my uneducated, non-licensed, non-medical degree guess is that we see him at the garden for game three and hmm. the Knicks have to find a way to steal a game in Cleveland, which easier I, said than done, you know? Yeah. I was starting to think he might be there for game one, but if he hasn't had a contact practice, yeah, that like, I, I just can't see him going from no practice to playoff. Like yeah. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he plays for game two um, with, with two days off between those games, just, you know, getting an opportunity to have that practice. But I mean, he's tough, man. Like, he, what if he's able to play? He's going to play, right? So, I, I I think he'll be back sooner rather than later. But it, it does seem like at this point, game one is looking maybe just a bit sketchy. Philip Spatola asks, "What percentage of free throws do the Knicks have to hit to win this series? Free throws have made have been an issue for the Knicks this season, even though we attempt a lot. But with a reduced whistle, I'm concerned." Uh, more than 50%. I, we, we saw that with the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> better than the I Raptors? Suggest, <laughs> okay. I would suggest doing better than 8 of 36. No, Free throws are one of the hardest things for me to discuss because there's been times this year where even the Cavs have gone through a funk. Like They've lost some bad games on the road where they shot like, like 55% from uh, the free throw line and um, even good shooters. Like And some of that, you know, uh, January, uh, Darius Garland dealing with an issue to a shooting hand. Donovan Mitchell uh, dealing with issues with his groin. Like they've been playing through a lot of injuries, and uh, even in these matchups against the Knicks, like uh, Garland's, they, they've kind of happened when Garland was either out or, or, or limited physically in some way. It's just the hardest thing to talk about. Like there's no, nothing interesting about free throws. All these guys hit 95% of them when they're in practice, and then you just don't know how it's going to translate to the game. Like yeah. you can do what my dad would do back in the day, like sitting on the couch saying, ah, I'd make them shoot 153 mm. throws after the game. It's, it's, it's just so hard to say like, well, what type of, I do think what you're hitting on though, that is important is we don't know what type of whistle Bingo. this series is going to have. And I, I think that's going to be really interesting, especially, you know, Cavs have two big men that are very good at avoiding fouls. Uh, unlike Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, they're very good at <laughs> avoiding fouls, but if they one of them does get into foul trouble and makes you know a couple bad plays, maybe Mobley in the moment gets a little bit rushed and, and reaches in one more time than he needs to, how does that impact how many offensive rebounds they give up? How does that impact other things, right? Like that's that's going to be a very important factor in this series. Yeah, the philosophy I have on free throws is that we remember only the misses. We don't remember when... They make like six in a row down the stretch. We only remember if they make miss one of two with the chance to put your team up for um, <laughs> we just those are the ones that stand out more. And as far as the Knicks struggles from the line, they are 22nd in free throw percentage. I also think some of that has to do with the fact that the two of the guys taking a lot of their free throws or their high volume free throw shooters are Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, who are around 75 to 78 percent from the free throw line this year. So as a result, you're going to see that percentage drop. Meanwhile, I trust Emmanuel quickly at the line, although when he misses, you're shocked because you expect him to be a 90% shooter, and he's been about an 81% shooter this year. I trust Brunson for the most part at mm -hmm. the line, um, although as Knicks fans who are watching this and potentially yelling at this later, um, we remember the ones that he's missed. Shout out to their game earlier in the season against the Bulls. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I said this last night. The MSG whistle is something I'm just curious to see what happens. Cause I thought that was going to be a factor two years ago and it did not matter. Trey young got every single call that he wanted in that series. And it was infuriating by game five when he was headbutting Reggie Bullock while he was going up for a shot and still getting a call to be able to shoot three free throws. So I'm see, curious we, we to see how this series common. is. We, oh, we yeah. have so much more in common than, than people think, right? Like mm -hmm. there is that tortured sports pain, right? Like we got to embrace our similarities. We've both been subject to the Trey young bullshit. Mm -hmm. like, <laughs> that's, that's how our last forays into the postseason ended. And, and it's, it's not yeah. fun. It's not honest basketball. It's, it's, Definitely, like from my perspective, like the persecution complex is already there. I'm already like, oh, of course, the Knicks are going to get all the calls. But that's not reality. You, yeah. you just remember like the 50-50 calls that don't go your way, right? And that's why 
basketball the most subjective sport. Everybody feels like at the end of every game that they didn't get a good break and that they didn't get a good whistle. Parvej Kumar asks, um, how much pressure is on the Knicks to win this series since we didn't trade for Spida? What do you think about that? I don't think that should impact things. Like, I honestly don't. Like, Can you just say it louder for Stephen A. Smith in the back, please? Well, I, I mean, to Stephen A's credit, he always says when he's talking about the Knicks, he's talking with his heart, not his head. Mm. Like, here's the thing. Maybe I, another maybe another body part, you know. I agreed with the decision for the Knicks to not trade for Donovan Mitchell this summer. Like, I, I thought you guys weren't at that point yet. I thought Mitchell was a piece you bring in when you already had something in place where you want to, like, finish it. And I guess the argument would be, hey, if we have Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, that's going to be a hell of a free agency pitch. Um, But I I don't think there should be a lot of pressure on that because I think the Knicks are set up well for long-term success. And I think they have a big war chest of assets when they want to make that consolidation trade. Like if James Harden decides that uh, the nightlife in Houston is going to to call his name, are they going to be in the mix for Joel Embiid? Like are they going to be in the mix for Jalen Brunson or the next disgruntled star, right? Like there is upward mobility and they have the assets to improve an already very good team. And they've also shown that their player development is really good, right? Like we are talking about how good the bench is. And a lot of that comes down to how good player development is. And so often coaching only gets discussed as what adjustments did you make? What are your rotations when player development is a massive part of that? And if you're going to make these consolidation trades in the future, your ability to develop guys on the margins, late second round picks or later first round picks, two way guys, right? That's going to matter a lot when it comes to building a sustainable team. So how much pressure is on the Knicks to win this series because of the not trading for Donovan Mitchell? Um, if you care about your sanity and the national discourse a lot, mm-hmm. if you're being objective and you're kind of taking this for the season for what it is and recognize, hey, these are two very good teams playing each other in what's likely going to be a toss-up series, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress about it. I think if the Knicks lose in seven, I'll be able to stomach it much more because like you didn't have home court. They have the best player in the series. Randall probably didn't start the series healthy. You can point to a number of factors. And like you said, this is the beginning of the Knicks run. They, they, the best is only yet to come. There's a version where all of those factors lead to the Knicks losing in six. And like it ends with at Madison square garden, which I try, I have most of the national discourse muted, so I'm usually able to avoid it. It's just a, a storyline I'd like to avoid. I also I'm not going to rule out that the, the Knicks could upset and create a different narrative as a result. Um, I just I need the series to go seven for my own personal sanity. I would yeah. I'd be OK just being like, you know what? You played a hard fought seven game series, win or lose. Go, like going into that game, I, I would be just this is the most house money nerves that I've ever had. Like win or lose, I'm OK with the result here. While also if, if it, knowing I would be devastated if they series. lost. If it was a short series in the Cavs one, does that change anything? Uh, no, because that would I, I lead to my changes. suspicions of what's how important Julius Randle is to this series. You know, like I, I do. I am very like I, I said this to you when I came on after the Randle injury. I am so curious. This actually leads right into our next question. I'm so curious what this team does in in Julius is absent and how much of a weapon the Josh Hart at the four lineup can be. And that Friday night game, while it's not everything because Okoro and Allen weren't playing, it did tell me like, okay, this can be effective. So I'm curious to see how effective it is over a seven game series, which leads to my next question from Trizzy H. Uh, being that the Knicks went three and one during the regular season, where do you think um, bigger staff will make adjustments for the playoffs? And more importantly, I want to add on to this. How much stock do you put in to the Knicks going three and one against the Cavs this season? I, I think it does show that the Knicks are a good team, but not a lot of stock. Uh, the Cavs only had their starting lineup for one of those games. And, and like I said, they outscored the Knicks by 16 points in a two point loss in that game. And you also had, the last two minute report said that the last two Mitchell drives should have been fouls. He should have been shooting free throws. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. That that RJ <laughs> fouled them both times. Um, so looking at that, you, you kind of feel good about how the, the starting lineup would perform. Uh, two of those losses, obviously, you know, Jared Allen. Uh, I think one of them, they were starting uh, Mamadi Diakite, who's a two-way guy, not eligible for this series, as well as Lamar Stevens. Uh, and then this final one, like I, I don't, 
I don't think the Cavs really like they had already clinched. Um, they had already clinched the playoffs. They functionally clinched uh, home court and Robin Lopez was playing second quarter minutes. So I like I, I felt like they weren't trying to show too much in there, but I, I don't say that to dismiss the Knicks. I say that to say we don't really know what this series is going to look like. We just don't have a sample size uh, for what this series can be and, and how it's going to look. I think the Knicks are a very good team. I think the Cavs are a very good team. Uh, I, I just don't read into the 3-1 deficits, and uh, part of that is also 2016. So next up, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, next up, Sri, uh, considering how the Cavs, first of all, Sri, thank you for the, the super chat contribution. Greatly appreciate it. Considering how the Cavs don't play as well on the road as they do at home, how much do you think playoff MSG will play a factor? I think it is going to be a bit of a factor. Um, Knicks aren't the strongest home team. So I, I think that is something that, that kind of plays into their favor as well. Um, the Cavs road record really does come into their performance in the clutch um, on the road. They just have not been a good clutch team. And at home, they've been a great clutch team, uh, which I, I think is one of those indications of, hey, this is a team with a starting lineup with an average age of 23. Um, but when you look at it, there are indications that the Cavs are a better team on the road than their record would indicate. And uh, when you look at their net rating on the road, they're actually third best in the league. Uh, they're, they're mm. still a really good, well-performing team on the road. And some of those clutch issues uh, down the stretch, they started to, to iron out. They, they won a bunch of them. Uh, they won a big one in Miami. Um, they, they obviously won a game in Brooklyn, which I wouldn't classify that as a great win. I, I'm not, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in what this version of the Brooklyn Nets is, but they executed, <laughs> right? So um, they kind of, They've worked on those issues, and I think there's a lot of indications that this is a better road team than their record. So uh, I think it's going to be a factor. We'll, we'll see how they perform. I, I have questions about how the role guys are going to do in that situation. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a big question when they don't have a lot of depth. Um, but yeah, I, I feel decent about their their ability to perform on the road. The night that the Cavs won their second straight in Barclays against Little Brother, I'm sure you were exhilarated. Um, it was the same night that the Knicks um, lost their third straight game. This Julius Randle, Emmanuel Quickly incident that happened in Orlando. And that Cavs win helped soften the blow because it meant the Knicks didn't lose ground against Brooklyn, which... But again, we we all thought after that Orlando loss, maybe we should start preparing for the play-in, and they just didn't lose the rest of the year. So, um, obviously, yeah. uh, our and fears for us, were not we felt great about our ability to get home court at that point. <laughs> yes, at that point, yes. Uh, next up, XJ, uh, contributor of KFS, one of the the advanced metrics uh, wizards is what I'll call him because I know nerds is a derogatory term. Um, XJ asks, Justin, if a Coro shot is not dropping, how quickly do the Cavs go to alternate three and D Brunson stopper options like Stevens or Wade? I don't consider either of those guys to be Brunson stoppers. Like, so it's Lamar a Coro Steve or he's going off. Yeah. Um, I, I think like Lamar was guarding Brunson in that game. And one of the mistakes that, that, I've seen this year is when Lamar is forced to guard kind of shifty players, he's not going to do well. Like what he actually does well against is larger guys. Even if he's giving up size, like he'll do a good job on Giannis. He's given him bead problems at times, right? Like he's able to defend up kind of like a PJ Tucker. But when it comes to shifty guards, he is not able to stick with those guys. I would not uh, put Lamar Stevens on him. I think uh, Karis Levert would get that nod far, far before uh, Lamar Stevens. I don't really expect Lamar to be in. Like, I think he'd only kind of come in if they need like an infusion of energy. I don't expect him to be in the regular rotation. And Dean Wade, he, he's more of a, a four three as well. So I think um, you might even see Darius Garland and get that that assignment before that. Like, a, but I, I do expect Isaac Okoro to get the majority of the run. And I think they're not going to be as quick to pull the hook on him uh, this postseason as they did last year because. He's evolved his game and they use him more kind of in the Bruce Brown role too, as a screener now uh, with the guards and uh, for teams that are trying to hide someone. Like if the Knicks try to hide Brunson on Isaac Okoro, they're going to get him in those actions by, by using Okoro as a screener for the guards and just utilize his ability to move off ball. So I think what we would see more at the small forward position is more burn from Karis Levert in those spots. So perfect. 
uh, segue into the next question from Ben Kim Gurvey. Speaking of Darius Garland, how well does Garland handle a, f- a highly physical game when he's getting bumped constantly? Well, that's a great question. That's that's probably the, like the question of the playoffs because teams have been allowed to beat the living hell out of Garland all year. Like he, <laughs> I, search my Twitter handle would stop hitting Garland in the face, and mm. it started game one when Gary Trent Jr. took his eye out, and since then, like teams have just been targeting and smacking him. Uh, he has got his free throw rate up a, a, a little bit this year, but I feel like. And this is one of the annoying things, one of my gripes with how the NBA is officiated. They're like, we've decided which player on the team is a star player and they will get the star calls and everyone else gets a bad whistle. Like Jared the, Allen's. The, Jared the, Allen's. The, the, hold on. The one tweet that she said during the, the Friday night Cavs game against the Knicks was like, one day Garland will get the quickly whistle. And oh, I was like, I oh no. <laughs> I would love that. Oh, God bless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, like he, he doesn't get a great whistle. And it's been something that's frustrated him. I, I think especially late in the season where, where teams were still just kind of hitting him and, and he was coasting, uh, kind of understanding that, hey, we, I'm just waiting for the playoffs. He'd get very frustrated. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a big question for this series. But he's done a good job initiating contact. Like, I, I think he actually does a good job of recognizing when someone's reaching in and, you know, drawing fouls that way. He just doesn't get the fouls when he's trying to finish the shot and, and play honest basketball and, and get hit. So uh, how he responds to his physicality, I think, is going to be really, really important. So the next question is more of a Knicks question. It's from Mar- Mariah Slaughter. Uh, will Obi start at the four the first game or will Tibbs use someone else at the four? I think it'll be Obi Toppin. As a Cavs fan, who do you hope the Knicks start at the four because you think it gives you more of an advantage? Obi. Obi? Like, I, I have a lot. Uh, like, I love Josh Hart. I, I think he's so damn good. And I think that would be your best lineup in that spot. I just think having Obi, RJ, and Brunson out there, that's just too many guys for the Cavs to, to go after. Uh, on the offensive end and um the i guess the the one thing that obi brings that that could tilt things and make this look stupid is he's a volume three-point shooter right like he's able to replicate some of what you're missing with randall in that sense and the Cavs have had had issues at times this year defending teams that go four out so there is a, a path for that to work out with obi starting that would just be i i would feel best about the the Cavs chances if he were to start yeah, the look, I, I talked to you about this. I think last night the the version of Obi we got over these final five games, specifically the last four, I don't think that that will show up. The biggest takeaway I have from these five games where we saw him shooting as well as he was, but more more importantly, taking as many shots as he was and scoring as many points as he was, is that he was 44% from three on seven attempts over that stretch. Now, to what the Knicks like to do in winning the possession battle, Obi had 16 rebounds in five games. That's just not going to fly. Um, I will say if the three-point shot is still falling and the confidence is still there, it does add a different element to where we're not... I, I don't think Tibbs will be looking right away to get him off the floor, which is where... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I respect the answer. Josh Hart's been amazing. That's also where I think the Knicks would pivot to if like Obi was off and they decided, all right, we need the entire second half to just go with the, the best case scenario lineup, you know? It, um, it's also just how they're going to close. Like, oh, it, it, absolutely. Josh, Josh Hart is 100% going to be Josh there. Hart's going to play a lot of minutes in this series. I'm very confident yeah. of that. Uh, Anthony Sixto with a two-parter. They're both Super Chats. Thank you, Anthony. First off, how? speaking of Josh Hart, how does Hart at the, at the four versus a healthy Allen and Mobley? I know Hart. Uh, how does Hart at the four do versus healthy Allen and Mobley. I know Hart has flashed effectiveness there, but seems like a big disadvantage for the Knicks. Um, the next one is Mobley looks like he'd be like, he could be a dominant player. How has year two looked on track on both ends or is there pressures to show something in the playoffs? So it's two questions, but if you want to answer the first one about Hart guarding them and then go right to Mobley and what he's been this year. Yeah, like even though Hart's giving up a lot of size, I don't think the Cavs would go, oh, we got to post up Evan Mobley every single play, right? Like I, I think Josh Hart is so damn solid. He's kind of like Kyle Lowry in that regard where you're just not going to generate an advantage there. But I, I do think in terms of his ability to bother Mobley on those little hook shots and uh, he's finishing in tight, I do think he's going to be at a disadvantage there. But the nice thing about having Josh Hart is 
even though he is giving up size, he still rebounds like he's 6'10", 6'11". Um, so I, I don't think you're giving up too much on that end. But I, I do think in comparison to having Julius Randle, who's an all NBA talent, uh, that, that is certainly a, a better situation for the Cavs. And how has Mobley looked? I mean, he's been fantastic. I, I thought the start of the year was really impressive for him. He was basically replicating last year's numbers on improved efficiency, which when you add someone that commands as much usage as Donovan Mitchell, maintaining your existing stats when, when you were the number three option uh, and you slide down to number four or I guess number two option a, a lot of the time um, like th- that, that was impressive to me. But then uh, the last few months here, like I said, he's been averaging over 19 points per game. He's in the defensive player of the year conversation. And the best part about it is his ascension to becoming like this 19 point per game player has not taken away from anybody else. Jared Allen's scoring is actually up. He's averaging about mm. 16 points per game. Uh, Darius Garland over 22 points per game. Donovan Mitchell, 25 points per game, right? Like they're combining for about 84 points a night. And that's exactly what you want to see from having a, a top heavy team that relies so heavily on those four. Right. And uh, when, when you look at the improved contributions you're getting from Karis Levert as well, you feel pretty damn good about where, where this team is at. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you're like me and just don't have time for food shopping, let the groceries come to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So next up from Sri, thank you again, Sri, with another one in the super chat. The Cavs are seven and ten on two plus days of rest. I did not know that. Are the Cavs a team that need to be more in a groove? Are you disappointed with the stretched out schedule for the first round? I'm not. They they've been dealing with so many ailments, and I, I I can't even remember a lot of times when they had two days of rest this season. Like the the, the front half of their schedule was absolutely brutal. Uh, the, I, I know at the All Star break they had played it more games than any team in the league, and I, I think the the few times they had uh, days of rest, um, like they they took advantage of that. There were times um, this season that I can recall where they only I think there was once where they played Minnesota and they played one other game in a week after a West Coast trip. And they rested both Jared Allen and Donovan Mitchell because they're like, hey, we can get them an entire week of rest and only miss two games. Um, So I think a lot of that record is due to kind of taking advantage of that and resting guys. So I think there's some context behind that. And like I said, Darius Garland was dealing with issues with his shooting hand. Donovan Mitchell, uh, his left finger, uh, uh, middle finger was dislocated, right? And he was dealing with some pain there. Jared Allen, uh, Isaac Okoro. I'm, I'm very happy with the amount of rest here. And um, the big thing too is the Cavs always start the season strong. These last two years under JB Bickerstaff, they've come out of the gates really well. They they responded well to the training camp and and they come out to these great starts. And I, I think that bodes well for having this week off to to prepare for this series. I'm laughing because the idea of 
oh, let's rest these two guys. So that way they get a whole week. It's just, it's so foreign to the Knicks <laughs> philosophy. Like the Julius Randle was on fumes when he went down with an injury. And like when we, we saw these guys at the end and while Brunson and Randall and RJ all sat and even Mitchell Robinson had a rest day. We were all like, okay, also put quickly in bubble wrap. Also put Josh Hart in bubble wrap. I yeah. might be okay if you put Grimes in there. And, you know, this this is not the same. These two teams do not share the same uh, philosophy <laughs> in that sense. Uh, a couple more before I let you go. Um, Pariah Slaughter with another one. Any concerns for the Cavs uh, players going down with injuries in this, seri- this series, despite the uh, extra rest? So of the guys that are dealing with some injuries, who might have a who who's the biggest one obviously Mitchell was not seriously hurt but yeah. like of the guys that could get hurt that are dealing with some kind of injury who are you concerned about dude you're asking this question to a guy that watched Kelly Olynyk rip Kevin Love's arm that is out very of his true. shoulder yes, yes and in game 1 of the playoffs you had JR break his shooting hand essentially Monchumper pull his groin and then Kyrie Irving go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm terrified of injuries at all times. Like this, this is my existence as a sports fan. Is teams that I root for getting hurt in the playoffs. It, mm-hmm. It's translated CFL football. I won't bore you with that. It's translated to absolutely everything, man. Like, yeah, I'm 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 concerned. Like, I I don't think there's any way to predict where it would be. I feel great about their health going into this. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, I gotta be honest. I was going for more of like the who's got a net like the. There's a there's a Nick injury. Like, what if Brunson has his hip uh, an injury they was dealing with earlier go down? What if Julius's ankle is reaggravated when he steps back on the floor and tries to go at it 100? percent I was more going that avenue. The PTSD of of injuries past, I guess I can understand, uh, adds a new element to this. That oh yeah. Like I said, I just don't have that experience of like, at least not recently of like, oh, that bad injury in the playoffs that derailed a playoff series. Although I will add, you still made it to the finals, even though you lost, you still made it to the finals because of one LeBron James. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that guy. Um, but yeah, but that Warriors team got a title that they shouldn't have got. But I mean, Cavs probably shouldn't have got 2016. Like, if I was, both teams say, are, I'll let you say it, not me. <laughs> if both teams are fully healthy, I think those two swap around. Yeah. Uh, in my honest opinion, I think a lot of those Warriors guys took a, a leap the following year. Um, yeah. And 2016, I mean, the, the Bogut injury doesn't get talked about enough. Andre Godala had a bad back. J.R. Smith was hurt. Kevin Love concussion matter. Like, there's always so many injuries that that get kind of swept under the rug. But yeah, the P- yeah. PTSD is a good way to describe it, my friend. My take of the, I mean, like my outsider's take is I wasn't in it at at the time. But my the right amount of championships were won by the teams throughout at least those first two years. When Durant yeah. showed up, it just made it a yeah, completely yeah, different. Boring. Unfair just thing. fast yeah. forward. They, they don't count. Yeah. Um, Joe Dugan, thank you for the contribution, sir. Uh, we're penciling in Donovan being great, but what's the concern level that he shoots Cleveland out of a few games like he did in the series like in Utah, like Harden? I think that concern won't come up until we're like a couple years into the Mitchell experience. And I think people are sleeping on how good Darius Garland is. Like, mm. I, I think that's one of the biggest things. And um, I think some of what Mitchell had in the playoffs was, okay, you have a big man that you can run pick and roll with, but I don't trust him to catch the ball. He has two of those guys. Now with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley that are able to make plays once they get the ball as well. Uh, he is playing with a point guard that honestly, like I, I think Darius Garland is closer to that. Like when he's at his best, I think he's closer to the Donovan Mitchell level than people realize. And I, I think as he gets to his prime, like last season, you, you look at the numbers last season, I think there was an argument for who was better. Now, Mitchell is taking a leap leap this year, and I think some of that does come from playing next to Darius Garland. But um, I do think having DG is going to make things a lot easier for him. Um, we still need to see how Garland responds to the playoffs and the pressure. Like that's one of the biggest things is I think just the experience that Jalen Brunson has relative to Garland uh, gives him an edge in this series. But if Garland's at his absolute best, I think that's a very, very bad sign for the Knicks. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't have this. Uh, to, to Joe's point about Mitchell, like I, I want to remind myself how bad he was in that Utah series. Uh, under forty percent from the field, twenty-one percent from three on eight attempts. Um, 
we all kind of have our curiosities as to what happened in that series. But you go a year sooner when they were the one seed and he's averaging 32 a game. Jesus, on 44% from three on 11 attempts in that postseason. I think he was hurt in that series. Too. Yeah, that first series against the, the Grizzlies, he got hurt. And then he goes yeah. to the Clippers series and the shout out Ty Lue just decided, I'm just going to go five out. Let me try and neutralize this, <laughs> this Rudy Gobert thing that's happening. Um, but yeah, I... I'm, I'm not to the point where not to the point where I think like the Knicks can't win the series, but I'm like the one thing I'm not worried about is Donovan Mitchell or I'm not expecting is like Donovan Mitchell to suddenly not be to be what he was last year. I think there's a, a hint of unfinished business with a new team, better environment. Um, but there was, there was weird. Wouldn't mind it. Year. Wouldn't mind it if he suddenly decided, you know, this is, <laughs> I'm still that guy, you know, going yeah. forward uh, a couple more um, from, Lunis and Marat once again. Saw someone mention it earlier, but I don't think it was answered. How do the Cavs? Uh, how do the Cavs struggle as much with rebounding as they do with two seven footers in the lineup? Uh, simple answer is they don't when both of them are out there. Um, they don't when it's just Jared Allen. Uh, they don't when it's seven Mobley and Dean Wade. But like like I said earlier in the the pod, like I think the biggest part of why they've struggled in defensive glass post All Star break is playing Lamar Stevenson power forward next to Evan Mobley and Jared Allen missing some time, right? Like, um, th- 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 fourth percentile, like well, what else do you have to say than fourth percentile when those two are out there? But, uh, that has not been as much of a concern. Uh, they're, they're very good when, when it's Allen and Mobley. They're very good when, when it's Allen on his own, uh, very good Mobley and Wade. So that's why I'm, I'm pretty adamant that, that Wade needs to play in the series. Cause I think if the Cavs can keep the possession battle about even, I have concerns about the Knicks scoring enough in this series. Next up, Maria, Mariah Slaughter, one last one. Do the Cavs handle screens and switching well, in particular, in particular the bench? Because the Knicks bench uses more screens, it seems. Uh, I mean, how much are the Cavs even going to use their bench like that? Mm. <laughs> That's one of the big questions, right? Like, Karis LeVert does a, a decent enough job. I, I think he, sometimes he can be a little late to close out and can be prone to fouling a three-point shooter. But he, he's had a good year defensively. Um, when it comes to handling screens, like if it's Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen in that action, I'm not worried about that. I, I think they do a very good job of navigating those screens. And um, the, the biggest thing is they'll take a lot of things away, but it's sometimes when you get late in the shot clock, it can lead to an open three-pointer in the corner. And that's going to be my big question is, are they overhelping? Are they recovering in time? And... I don't worry about the initial actions. It's when you get real deep in the shot clock or when you're coming off off an offensive rebound. That's where I would have some concerns defensively. So last one, and this is a fun one. Shout out to Anthony Six, though, with another super chat. Where does Craig Elo rank for all-time Cavs? Now, hashtag tough questions. Now, look, we're coming from it from the uneducated place of who yeah, are the I'm five greatest. Oh, you're fan. a huge. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> I was coming from it as a Knicks fan. But what is, I guess, in your mind and to the fan base's mind, what is like the, the five greatest Cavs? I should ask who two through five are, though. Oh, OK, because uh, one is one is LeBron. Yeah, no particular order outside of LeBron, obviously, but like LeBron, Kyrie, uh, Brad Doherty, Mark Price, and I'd maybe go Kevin Love. Um, I think that would probably round out my five. I don't know if Mitchell's going to get there real quick, though, and I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Who's first w- out if Mitchell, like, say next season they're in the conference love. finals? Lo- lo- Kevin love Love's would, out? Okay. Lo- love Even though he first. stayed there longer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I, I, go, I judge by peaks, right? Like, yeah, uh, okay. how, much, how much do you do there? And, you know, Spicy take. Let, let's leave it with a spicy take. I can see Darius getting there too, and I, I can, I can see him bumping Kyrie, even though he hit the shot. Even though he hit the shot. Well, well I mean, twenty twenty five NBA champion Darius Garland. I mean, <laughs> so that's that, how he bumps it out. These two guys won a title. That's going to move the okay. needle. That's that's going to move me, my friend. The Cleveland version of the core four. If, yeah, that, that's it's them and LeBron. If uh, <laughs> if if that happens. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, oh, God, I didn't even get to have him. Oh, yeah. I was this, say, this, yeah. this core this core is going to navigate some uncharted grounds if they reach their potential, if they're able to keep guys around them. And um, I, I think the thing that's got Cavs fans excited beyond just this postseason is what's going to happen this offseason when they have mid-level exception. Like 
normally when you make that consolidation trade, and I'm sure you guys as Knicks fans are going to go through this when you inevitably land a star with your Mm -hmm. consolidation trade, year one, you're going to be a little bit thin. Year two, that's usually when you start rounding out the rotation and adding some depth. Uh, we, We saw that with the Heatles. We've seen that with basically every consolidation trade. I think next year's Cavs are going to be a better version of this team. And um, um, I think I think that mid-level exception is going to be a hell of a pitch uh, for a, a role player that likes to shoot threes. It's why I don't have to tell you this, but it's, it's, it's why that that Durant going to the Warriors and it's just like, oh, yeah, you're going to take Mark Harrison Barnes spot in the rotation. And because of this, the cap going up, it's really not going to cost you anything yeah. See, you know <laughs> nba learned their lesson and they smoothed out the cap this time around because they were scared of the cats adding jalen brown the way the warriors mm. had kevin durant they, they they're they're conspiring against the Cavs already you hate to see it, it. There you go. There you go. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget, everybody. I normally tell everybody to subscribe to this video, which please do, and to like this video, please do. But I put it in the chat, youtube.com forward slash at Cavs. Subscribe to the Cleveland Cavaliers YouTube channel and specifically the Chase Down podcast. You guys go live uh, with your episodes. Um, how often a week? If you want to, I'll Twice. leave it to you now. Go ahead and yeah, plug just- the show as, as best you can. Yeah, we, we go live twice a week uh, during the season, uh, once in, in the off season. So we're uh, hoping that we'll continue to go twice a week for a little bit here, maybe even a little bit more in the playoffs. But uh, yeah, we, we go live on the Cavs YouTube channel. You can also find the chase down wherever you get your podcasts. We talk about the Cavs. We talk about uh, the NBA and have a little bit of fun along the way. Yes, I am. I'm a fan. I'm an admirer of your work. I it's been really great collaborating with you. And that is the last nice thing I'm going to say oh, about yeah. you Gloves and your show on, and buddy. your team going forward. I planned and intend to make you hate the entire city of New York, all five <laughs> boroughs. Uh, I, I cannot wait to talk as much shit as possible on the timeline in good, good fun. Hopefully, of course, uh, of course. Justin, thank you as always, my friend. It was good to see you. And Knicks fans, like I said, so the KFS bump we like to do. Head on over to at Cavs and to the Chase Down podcast. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, tune in to the rest of the program that we have over the next couple of days. You got Casual Friday coming up on Friday morning with the K- with the betting and sweating crew, which will have our final betting and sweating standings for the year, as well as our post All Star break points, rebounds, and assists draft results. Uh, spoiler alert: I came in last. Shout out to LeBron James for deciding to just not play the second the second half of the season. Uh, and then our final predictions coming on Saturday morning before this series. I actually will make you re-say, Justin, your your prediction before you get out of here. Uh, so, Knicks in five or six? Where are you going with this? Cavs in six, baby. Cavs in six, I figured. Well, Bra- Breaking uh, your hearts in the garden. Ooh, with Donovan Mitchell in the building, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that, that, uh, that would be a moment. Yes, and Knicks fans, if that happens, log off. But as we all know, it's not going to happen. So when the Knicks win in seven, um, we can obviously know where to go. At Cavs, uh, YouTube.com slash at Cavs. Uh, check out the Chase Down podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you soon. Bye.